The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the heart of the Charles, the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we pause to worship together, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We welcome you to this service on Father's Day and especially welcome our Fund for Theological Education Fellows. We invite our radio listenership at WBUR 90.9 FM and our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org as well as our congregation here to identify those forms of ministry in which you would like to participate, to respond by prayer and by mail and by email to the Ministry of Marsh Chapel, and as you are available and uh, able, as the Spirit moves, to join us for worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, in the confidence of divine love, we pause in prayer to consider ourselves under the aspect of divine love. The good that we would, we do not, and the harm that we would not, we often do. We recognize in this hour the consequences of greed and arrogance, spilling out and leaking out and teeming out all around us, both in nature and history. We face the unintended consequence of measures of greed combined with measures of arrogance. And we feel sorrow. We truly feel sorry, no contrition, express compunction, cry out in lament, admit regret, and bow in confession. We have been called to be stewards, but our stewardship has been far from perfect. So come Sunday, we pause and pray, seeking renewal. As the choir sings our Kyrie, may we offer our individual and collective prayers of confession. Let us pray. Well, beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights, to Horeb, the Mount of God. 
At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return in your way to the wilderness of Damascus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, 
heirs according to the promise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us say together verses from Psalm 42 with the Antiphon. Continually, where is your God? These things I remember as pour out to my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Open God, for I shall again. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. He calls to me at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By, the day, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you the reading of the gospel and the singing of the hymn. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35, through chapter 10, verse 15. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out 
and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. need to see what a man is doing to know whether it is his vocation. You only need to watch his eyes. A cook mixing a sauce. A surgeon making an initial cut. A clerk completing a bill of lading. They all bear the same rapt expression, 
forgetting themselves in function. Oh, how beautiful is that eye-on-object look. So, W.H. Auden. Where does your deepest passion, Frederick Buechner asked, meet the world's greatest need? Where, come morning or evening, do you stand to sing the songs of spirit and the praise of God, to take life as it comes, and to invest yourself in ability, in affability, in availability at depth? Where, as Julian Norwich asked, is your own most self? Where can you find a way to that space and time when you can plan for the worst, hope for the best, then do your most and leave all the rest? Where is your calling, your vocation? Our lesson from St. Matthew carries us into a part of a journey which takes disciples students, and makes of them apostles, messengers. It helps them to leave school. <clears throat> you know, change can be frightening. It produces anxiety, especially if you have been, say, in school for a long time, from age two or three through high school, college, graduate school, and another degree. It can be a little bit anxiety-provoking to think about leaving school. I love the work of Barbara Brown Taylor, especially including her last book, Leaving Church. But maybe her next book would be Leaving School, Disciples Becoming Apostles. You see, sometimes this perhaps may apply to a few present with us and others listening around the region and across the globe. It may be time to think about pulling up stakes. Oh, everything one learns in school is important. You need every scrap, every morsel, every, speaking biblically, jot and tittle of what you learn as an in a bachelor's degree, and particularly if you're heading on to the ministry, what you will learn in a theological degree. There's nothing wasted, nothing lost. Every item, every bit is needed. But where your true calling meets you may be just outside of school. It's happened before. Notice in the gospel today, Jesus first preaches, teaches, and heals and meets us with compassion. Second, he gathers and calls disciples. We recognize that Matthew has circumscribed his mission in a way that Mark and Luke and John do not. He gives a, the gospel writer that is, gives a list of names that is at a little bit of variance with other such listings. But there is a call and a response. Third, Jesus identifies that not every move into ministry will be successful, that there will be places and times when you will shake the dust from your feet. And then finally, and in composite, the gospel reminds us that there is a discipline at the heart of discipleship, that there is a cost to what we are involved in. And part of that cost for some of us, our participants, whom we especially and personally welcome, who are fellows in the Fund for Theological Education. It may be for a few, one or two or more, that that calling will appear outside of school or after school. For some of you, it will be in the South, and for some in the North, now we envy from these quarters, the chances others may have to build a big church in Plano, Texas, to put out a tarmac and build the building where there isn't any ice and there isn't any snow and there are very few blizzards. And you may want to go that direction. 
But you may want to think, I'm playing with you a little bit here, that you might want to consider going not where you're wanted, but where you're needed. And if that's the case, you may want to come north and build a church at 10 below zero and see 81-year-olds dusting off the car and making their way. I remember when Iva Gorman came to church to the early service in February at about zero on the Fahrenheit scale, and she was angry. She was so angry she could spit nails as Paul was when he wrote to Galatians, the Galatians because he was saying, Galatians 3.28, not that the divisions religious and economic and gender that we so prize ought to disappear, he was saying, look, in the orb of the new creation, they are gone. In reality, they are not. So why do you live as if they were? Well, she had that sort of combative feeling. Actually, she was a great feisty person anyway. I had earned my PhD that year. We had celebrated it. She came through the door and said, you know, I'm just not in a worshipful mood. I rented out my second house to a group of graduates. Actually, they're postdoctoral students. I said, I knew that. I said, yes, they're chemists. I know, I said. And they let the pipes burst, and they let the basement flood, and I have a skating rink at the ground floor, and I'm, I'm just not ready to worship. But then she brightened a little bit. This is a humorous story, if you take it so. And she said, you know, I really ought to be a little bit more accepting. I mean, they are academics, and uh, they do have a doctorate. And uh, he did earn a PhD. And then she said, I'll remember it my whole life. He did earn a PhD. You really can't expect much. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no, not with regard to you, Bob. In other words, there is something to be said for understanding, and that's so important. But one of the dangers of the academic life is that we, I, sometimes mistake understanding for overcoming. And Jesus is identified in the Gospel of John as saying, not I have understood the world, but I have overcome the world. And you may find your way at a certain point, beyond school, leaving school to your own calling. It has happened before, this movement from understanding to overcoming. Maybe we should remember an older style of ministry, Albert Schweitzer, who was a great scholar. I used his work in the aforementioned PhD. His letters to and from Boltmann that are still on file at the Syracuse University Library. Somebody could write a nice article there one day. He became at a young age, after his quest for the historical Jesus and mysticism of the Apostle Paul, he became the head of a seminary, the principal of an Alsatian theological school, and he was a renowned organist, a Bach, a Bach expert. But one day he received in the mail a copy of the Paris Missionary Society Journal, and it described the endless need in Central Africa for healing. So he set aside his books and his principalship and his Bach, and he took seven years of medical study and the ne next 35 years in ministry to the Powan and Benjabi tribes folk. And one day later in life, he came to the edge of a river and saw a herd of hippopotami coming across and splashing, and he recognized his deepest calling to express a reverence for life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand when your own most self emerges in a vocation. Maybe we should remember Jane Addams. I wish she were in one of our stained glass windows. She ought to have been. 130 years ago, she left the potential to be a school teacher behind. She left school in Rockford, Illinois, and went to Chicago and there developed one of the lastingly great social ministries in the history of this country, in Hull House. And she developed in a, what we would call today a feminist mode, a gathering, a development of labor unions, city parks, speeches across the country, in which she regularly said, I quote her as exactly as I can. The goods that we associate with a life 
of refinement and cultivation must be made universal if they are to be secure. The good that we secure for ourselves is uncertain, precarious, floating in midair until it is secured for all and made a part of our common life. How I wish Christopher Lash were still alive, he who loved to study Adam's work and said, among other things of her, somewhere in early life she found a way to release a part of herself which, once released, freed up the rest. And you, in the common ministry, we have been seized by the confession of the church, otherwise we would not be here and we would not be listening. Where is your part in that great ministry and mission? Do you love Jesus? Then you must do something for him. Perhaps from this pulpit today we could remember Howard Thurman who had a habit of leaving school. I mean, he left Boston University and went on to speak around the globe. Before that, he had left Howard University and went on to his church in San Francisco. But earlier, he left the Rochester Theological Seminary and after his first year. He went to Roanoke, Virginia. I'll give it in his own words to the best of memory. I went to serve for a month while Dr. James and his family went on vacation. The first night in the parsonage, the phone rang. It was a nurse from the hospital. Is Dr. James in? I explained he was gone. Well, he's the hospital chaplain, and we have a man dying here, and we need a minister. Are you a minister? In one kaleidoscopic moment, I was at the crossroads of an old decision, a decision about vocation had to be made, and all of the ambivalence of my life and calling were before me. And finally I said, yes, I am a minister. Well, come quickly or you'll be too late. In haste I went, leaving my Bible at the home. I went into the hospital and down the hallway, and there was the dread curtain. And the nurse guided me and placed me on the other side of the bed. The man looked at me and said, do you have something to say to a dying man? If you do, please do so with haste. I bowed my head. No words came. At last I reached deep into myself and lifted. It felt like I was reaching all the way to heaven and offered my prayer concluding with an amen. We opened our eyes at the same time. Thank you, he said. I understand. He died with his hand in mine. Where does your deepest calling meet the world's greatest need? Perhaps today on Father's Day we can remember those who have given themselves to us in mentoring, for those who have recently lost their father and are remembering in some memorial and grief, uh, we also lost our dad not too long ago, and we can join you. It's good to leave school once in a while. In the spring of 1973, six of us left college to come to a cottage in upstate New York. My dad was waiting for us there. We drove across Route 80 in one of those, well, it's kind of like a boat looking back. There were six strapping college students, and we had plenty of room to spare. Across Route 80, we went in the rain, and then with the slippery roads, we went way off the road, tumbled down a hillside. I had brought my sister Cynthia a bucket with two lab mice from the school that she wanted, and they were, with the rest of the luggage, thrown and strewn. We finally made it back onto the highway and crawled along without windshield wipers now to Route 81 and North. And where we had supposed to, were supposed to have arrived at midnight, we got in just at dawn. And all night long, my dad had been tending the fire, 
You do need a fire sometimes, even in the springtime in the north. And waiting for us, and we arrived, and he hosted us at a beautiful breakfast. And then I remember as he was tending the fire and getting ready to go to school, go to work, excuse me, we had left school, I remember listening to him singing. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Who told you who you truly are? Where is your depth in passion and compassion? You know, you don't need to see what a man is doing to know whether it's his vocation. You only need to watch his eyes. A cook mixing a sauce, a surgeon making an initial incision, a clerk preparing a bill of lading, all wear the same rapt expression, forgetting themselves in the function. Oh, how beautiful it is that eye on object look. Sisters and brothers in Christ, as we come together to pray as a community, I invite you to stand, sit, kneel, or come to the altar rail if it is your tradition to do so. Let us together now sing the call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. together, I will end each petition with God in your mercy. Please respond. Hear our prayer. Creator God, you breathe life into all. You call us to be good stewards of this earth, but sometimes our own will is not faithful to this call. Forgive us when our own desires to use your resources harm our brothers and sisters and the whole of your beautiful creation. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of peace, you call us to live in harmony with one another. We pray for our land and for our people, but we also recognize that you are God of all lands and of all peoples. Help us to see you in each of your children so that we might truly live the peaceful reign you wish for all of us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, you call forth laborers to serve your church in the work of your kingdom. Sometimes, though, we are too concerned with who will sit on your right hand and who on your left, instead of answering your call to serve the least, the last, and the lost among us. Let your authority reign in our lives, and let us use that authority for the service to which you call us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Healing God, you hear the cries of those who suffer and those who mourn. 
Help them to feel your comfort and presence, and help us to notice those in our communities with whom we can be present and for whom we can bring comfort. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of wisdom, before we were in the womb, you knew us. Sometimes, though, in the midst of the chaos of our lives, it is difficult to hear your still, small voice calling to us. Give us discerning hearts and open ears so that we might know your will for our lives and so that we might best serve you in the church and in the world. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now let us pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be always with you. It is once again a great joy to welcome this morning the Fund for Theological Education and their 2010 Excellence in Ministry Conference. Having been a fellow with FTE from 2004 to 2006, it is personally a great joy to welcome you here. We wish you safe travels as you make your way home and hope that these five days at Boston University have been a blessing to you in your path of discernment. We also wish to acknowledge today four years in ministry among us of our associate conductor and choir master and tenor choral scholar, Mr. Timothy Westerhouse. We wish him well as he heads on to Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. And on behalf of all of us here at Marsh Chapel, Tim, thank you. Dear friends, we hope that you will want to connect with us in our ministry here at Marsh Chapel, and you may do so by putting your name and your contact information on the red pads to be found along the center aisle of each pew. We'd encourage you to put, uh, pass it along after you've helped us to connect with you, and, help, and we hope that we can help you connect with one another better throughout the week. We'd encourage you to keep track of ongoing activities here at Marsh Chapel via our website, bu.edu slash chapel, via our Twitter feed, Twitter slash, uh, our handle, Marsh Chapel, and uh, our Facebook account, facebook.com slash marshchapel. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
thanks, O God, this day for life and health and peace. Bless these gifts and those who have given them for the building up of the people of God and the service of the world. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen. <laughs>